Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. So tonight, guys, we are going to take a look at the last public teaching that Jesus gave. And if you were... I don't know, getting ready to walk out, and you had, had your children, and you wanted to instruct them on, like, this is the last thing I want you to remember. Now, make sure, I really want to emphasize this. You just think about the things that you might, might say to them. And I think looking at, at these words tonight and what Jesus wanted to communicate to us, we can see the heart of the Father. We can see the love that he had and the care for our souls. You know, he had spent all this time teaching and he needed to to clean things up, put things in order before he left and get us prepared for when he comes back. His last teaching, he did like he usually does through parables, through those, those stories, those illustrations that have have those meanings behind them, those spiritual truths and realities behind them. And he he did that a lot. And one thing I've noticed as I studied the parables more and more is he linked parables together. And rarely is there like one standalone parable with the message because the people at this time are just like the people today. And like you and me, we need to hear things over and over. And we need to hear them in different ways before it, it really sinks in. And, you know, one, one big example is you go back and you look at, like, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. Those three linked together with the same message. And here tonight we're going to look at three parables as well that are linked together with the same message. In your Bible, they're probably labeled something like the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents and the parable of the sheep and goats. Before we start breaking these down, I want to set the context just a little bit more. And believe it or not, all of these, these three parables take place in chapter 25 of Matthew. I'm not actually going to read the parables. I'm going to talk about them. And my encouragement to you is to go back and read through these on your own and and study them. So as I mentioned before, this is the last public teaching that Jesus is going to give. Now, he's going to teach his disciples during the Last Supper and and institute that, and then the washing of the feet, and then again, he's always teaching. They go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, more teaching there, and then as he's on the cross, right, he is still teaching us. But these are going to be the last words that he's going to speak before he is going to get betrayed. And everything leaning, leading up to this goes back to, you can look at chapter 21 of Matthew. So there's a long progress here. Jesus has come back to Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. This is all leading up to Passover. He's gone into the temple. He's cleansed the temple. You know that awesome scene. He's turning over tables, telling people, Um, you know, that they are mistreating the temple, and then he leaves. So he has to come in, he has to cleanse it. Before he comes back in, he's going to do some more teaching, and 
when he comes back in to do some teaching, then he goes after the heart, right? And he starts talking about the leaders of Israel, the teachers, the Pharisees, and what does he call them? Anybody know? Hypocrites, right? He emphasizes people's hypocrisy. And then it progresses, and from there, so he's like, I'm cleansing the temple, I'm coming after your heart so you can cleanse your hearts. I'm exposing hypocrisy. And now I'm going to talk about the end of the age. Other people refer to it as the end times, the second coming, whatever you want to reference to that. That's where he is going to focus, right? Before he gets ready to be betrayed and hang on the cross, he wants to make sure we know that he's coming again, and to be ready for when he is coming again. So these parables that we're looking at is the message that Jesus is trying to relay to us. Here is how you get ready. This is what you need to do to be ready for me to come back, because I am coming back. So when you look at the three parables, he divides everybody into two categories. Each illustration, whether it's the ten virgins, the talents, the sheep and the goats, he's going to divide people into two categories. So here's here's what you want to be. You want to be among the wise virgins. You want to be a good and faithful servant. And you want to be a sheep. Right? When you're reading through these, that's what Jesus is trying to point you to. You do not want to be the foolish virgins, the wicked and lazy servant, or the goats. So what I want to spend some time uh, focusing on is what is the distinction? How did Jesus lay this out in these contrasts? I mean, the Bible is full of them, right? You read through the Proverbs, and there's the wise do this, but the foolish do this. You know, and even back into to, to the law, um, they were laying it out, life and death. And, and good and evil, and like there are direct contrasts throughout the Bible, and Jesus, in his last message, is making sure that he paints the picture. He does not say anywhere in here, good people and bad people, because none of us are good, right? All of us are in need of Jesus. If he said good and bad people, there'd be nobody on the good category, and so often we can look at people and judge them in categories in, their, in ways that Jesus never intended. We look at people through our own human eyes and create these categories rather than looking at how Jesus is going to separate people in the end to make sure that we are on the right side of this. So as I said, we're in Matthew 25, but I'm not actually going to read the parables. I'm going to talk about the heart behind them, the meaning behind them, and I'm going to be bouncing around through some other passages looking at what I believe Jesus is trying to point out as the distinction between the two different groups. In Romans 8, verses 5 through 6, he says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So one distinction I think that Jesus is trying to point out here is 
preparation, being prepared for that second coming, right? I know when my wife is coming home, if she's been out or something, I've been home with the kids, I want to try to have the house prepared for when she comes home. I want to make sure things are picked up. I know I don't always do well at that. I want to make sure the kids' teeth are brushed, they've had vitamins, all that stuff, you know, the routine, so that she doesn't have to worry about it when she comes home, and she can come home and be pleased when she comes home. And we think about our preparation during our life Jesus is, we're going to stand before him. And I think a lot of times we don't live with that in mind that it could be the next minute you stand before Jesus. We think of it as this distant time that we can prepare for when we need to be preparing our hearts every second of every day because that could be our last breath. So when you look through this, the wise virgins had enough oil that they took with them. They were fully prepared. They anticipated meeting the bridegroom who's coming back for his church. Same with the good and faithful servants who did the work. They invested their effort to bring a profit to their existence, to what had been given to them. They brought profit from that. Their life was profitable. For the sheep, Jesus provided specific examples of what it looks like to actually be prepared for his arrival and how we can invest our faith to benefit other people for his glory. And all those things that he gives in that parable are things that look like taking care of the needs of others, living with an other's mindset, investing our faith. You know, we have an abundance of hurting people around us. Amen? And there's quite a few probably sitting here right now, whether they're keeping the hurt inside or not. We have pain in this room right now. And I know the church does not always do a good job of reaching out to the hurting. But we also don't do a good job exposing our hurt and our need. I know I've been guilty of that. You know, there's a lot of people without homes. There's a lot of people without necessary food, adequate whatever, people who have bills that they can't cover, people that are just struggling through life. And for us, as followers of Jesus, a way we can be prepared for his coming is to be sure that we're looking for those people and taking care of them. Because the more we do that, the less we're going to fall into this trap of self. Oil throughout the Bible is often used to illustrate the Holy Spirit. So you, you apply that to the parable of the, the ten virgins and how they were overflowing with the Spirit, right? They were prepared with the Spirit. They were living in accordance with the Spirit. And that enabled them to stand before the throne, to stand before the bridegroom, to meet him, and to be welcomed in. So to be prepared, right, is to live according to the Spirit, to live according to the nature of who Jesus is and who he called us to be. Another thing I think Jesus is doing is pointing out the fact that we need to be active in our faith. In Colossians 3.17, it says, Do everything unto the Lord, whether in word or deed. Everything you say or do should be devoted to him. Right? I mean, just think, if we're going to do that, 
He could walk in the room the very next second because we're doing it. We're living for him, through him, in him, and we're ready to meet him. You know, one key distinction between those people who are looking for the return of Christ is how actively they are living out their faith, right? Faith is not something that we are meant to keep to ourselves. It is something that is supposed to overflow in us, you know, those springs of living water that overflow onto other people. So no matter how busy we are, and I'm sure you guys understand busy, right? But no matter how busy we are, we're meant to do everything unto the Lord. Everything. So family, we're doing family. We're doing it unto the Lord. We're doing work unto the Lord. We're doing our hobbies unto the Lord. We're doing our alone time unto the Lord. Our community time unto the Lord. There is only unto the Lord for those who love the Lord. And if we keep that mindset, if we just keep looking to him, looking for him, looking through him, looking in him, asking for his presence, we are going to be ready, right? This, this isn't saying, Colossians 3.17 is not saying everybody has to be a preacher, right? Not everybody has to go to Uganda. Not everybody has to whatever. You fill it in, but everybody should be preaching the gospel through the way you live your life. Your coworkers should know you love Jesus. Your family should know you love Jesus. The stranger on the street should know you love Jesus because you are looking for opportunities to display Jesus to other people. And the only way we can do that is to be intentionally looking for Jesus. Acts 20:24 20, I think is a really good verse of where Paul kind of describes his life and his mission and his goal. And I think it's a good verse to just kind of own as our own too, right? So in Acts 20, 24, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race I complete and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That is the only thing that mattered to Paul. Whatever he was doing, and he worked, right? He, he actually held down a job to uh, make money for his mission trips because he didn't want to be a burden on other people. He wasn't always, you know, wandering around preaching the gospel, but he preached the gospel wherever he was. And that's got to be the same for us. We've got to have this mindset. If we're going to be ready for Jesus, we have to live out the gospel in our lives. So the third thing I think that, that Paul, or not Paul, that Jesus is trying to illustrate through these parables is the fact that we have to have a bigger mission in mind. For a lot of us, it is, I mean, for everybody, it's easy to fall into that self-centered mission. We are the mission of our lives, right? Our happiness, our comfort, our convenience, our whatever, our health, fill in the blank, our safety, that's our mission a lot of times. At least that's how our lives depict. And if that's not you, then you can disregard that. If you are living with that bigger mission in mind, if you're morning to evening, 
displays a bigger mission in mind. Praise Jesus. And that's where we need to go, right? The wicked and the lazy servant, they operated out of, or he operated out of what? Fear. And a lot of us are crippled by fear. Fear of not making the bills. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of whatever. It cripples us and keeps us from walking in the fullness of the life that Jesus provided for us. The foolish virgins cared more about the load that they were carrying and their convenience rather than being prepared. Because if you think about what they were carrying, it says lamps or torches and some, it was probably um, something that was heavy and you would have had to carry an adequate amount of oil. I don't know if you guys have ever burned a, an oil lamp or um, anything like that. Like at Hanukkah, we have our our um, Hanukkah up there, and we use oil, and man, it burns up pretty quick. So you would have had to have carried a lot to be prepared for this long journey. They didn't know how long the journey was going to be before they met the bridegroom, but the wise virgins knew that they better carry a lot. They better be prepared. They better be overflowing. The, the um, foolish virgins were like, ah, it's a little bit too heavy. Or maybe, you know what, maybe I'll just borrow some, as we see in here, they, they try to borrow some oil from the wise virgins. The goats were doing a lot of stuff. As you read through there, you'll notice they were doing a lot of things, but here's the, the big distinction between the sheep and the goats. The goats were doing it to promote themselves. The sheep were doing it to glorify God. You look back at, at the list of things that Jesus is talking to the leaders about. They put a lot on display. They were doing a lot of things according to the law, but it was to promote themselves. And we can fall into that trap, right? We can fall into that trap of I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord. But it's like, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. No. No, we need to be focused on Jesus, willing to move to the background. You know, willing to serve, willing to take a back seat, willing to do it without other people knowing about it. Because each of these people, whether it's the foolish virgins or the goats or the wicked and lazy servant, are told one thing by Jesus, I do not know you. So we got to even look at those things that we're doing. Like, why, why are you here tonight? Think about it. Why are you sitting here tonight? Are you here to get motivated? Are you here for your own filling? Are you here for us? Like, I mean, think about it. Why do we walk through the door? Why are we part of a church community? Are we here to give of our strengths and of our resources to benefit other people and bring God glory and join a community and praise him? Or are we here to be fed? Are we here for ourselves? I mean, whenever you stand up here, right, and you guys can attest, anybody that's been up here or up here, it's like, you got to stop and think, why am I up there? Am I up there to be center stage or am I up there because I want the truth to be known and I want God to be glorified? It is so easy to fall in the trap. Doing worship for yourself, teaching for yourself. 
to make a name for yourself. I cannot imagine the pressure that these big name preachers feel being promoted all around the country and how easy that would be to puff up their ego. And then at that point, you fall on this slippery slope of, okay, now I'm just doing it for myself to sell the books, right? To pump up the podcast and the followings and all of those things. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul again hits us right between the eyes. You know, chapter five starts out with, be imitators of God. It's like, okay, all right, here we go. Imitate perfection. So in verses 15 through 17, he says, be careful therefore how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you know what Jesus wants for your life? I mean, only you can answer that. But do you actually know what he wants you to do with your life? We can't just fumble our way through it and waste time. We need to know being wise, not unwise, making the most of our day to please him. Jesus wants us to be watching for him. He wants us to invest our lives in the lives of others. He wants us to live in a manner that points others in his direction. The fourth thing I think that Jesus is saying is that you need to know me. If you want to see me when, when I come back, you need to know me. He's always wanted to be known. How awesome is that? The fact that God, this creator, this perfection who made all of this stuff is like, I'm going to put on that imperfect, broken bones and skin, walk around on earth and breathe in the dust so that I can show them the length that I want to go to to be a part of their lives. And not only that, I'm going to let them torture and kill me out of my love for them so that I can save them from their own wickedness. He's done everything that he needs to do to make it possible for us to know him. When we look at how we're living our lives, is it in a way that is less for ourselves and more for other people? You know, these fearful words that Jesus says at the end of these, depart from me, I did not know you. Can you imagine standing before Jesus and him telling you, go, I don't know you. I was actually having this conversation with my six-year-old daughter today at lunchtime. Um, she was asking about the security at our high school and, and stuff like that and how we don't want just anybody to come to the school and we got to be cautious. And, and my daughter, Salo, was like, I would let everybody come. Jesus would let everybody come. I was like, oh, no, he's not. He's not letting everybody in. In fact, most people aren't getting in. And she's like, I, I could tell she wasn't, wasn't understanding. I mean, that's a deep theological discussion to have, especially with a six-year-old. But we need to understand that too, right? Love does win, but not everybody wins, right? I, I like the title of that book, that love wins, even though the content is inaccurate, 
And if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. Not everybody's going to heaven. Jesus wants everybody to go to heaven. He's invited everybody to go to heaven. He's made it possible for everybody to go to heaven. But not everybody knows him. Do you? Do I know him? Man, that is probably the worst thing. Not probably. That is the absolute worst thing any of us could possibly hear is Jesus to say, depart from me. I don't know you. You know, the purpose, I think, of, of these passages, of Jesus wanting to really emphasize this, is that he wants it to be clear that he's coming back, and he wants us to be prepared. He doesn't want to catch people off guard. He doesn't want to trick people. He's not like waiting for you to mess up and then boom, he's going to pop in. It's like, you're coming home. Oh, wait, you're not. He's not like that, right? I mean, you can't read the scripture. Nobody is going to let himself be whipped and have a crown of thorns and be nailed to a cross out of love and have a wicked heart to try to trick people. He wants us with him. And he wants us to hear this message of his love. He wants you to hear the message of his love. He wants you to be prepared, right? He wants you to be prepared for him to come back. And I picture, because you know there's a lot of parallels between Old and New Testament, I picture Moses standing up there in his final address to the people before he's getting ready to go up a hill and, and die, right? Jesus, before he's getting ready to go up a hill and die, both instances here, Moses is like, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. Jesus is saying, I'm laying before you life and death. I'm going to go make it possible for you to have life and have it to the full. Choose life. And the choice is laid before each and every one of us tonight and every single day and as the Bible tells us, today is the day of our salvation. We don't know if we have tomorrow. You know, the world is really only divided. In the end, the world will only be divided into two categories. We all have categories. People look at things categorically. It, it somehow makes it easier for our minds to conceptually understand things. But really, in the end, only two categories are going to matter. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. You can put whatever label on it, the wise, the foolish, the sheep, the goats, the good and faithful servant, the wicked and lazy servant, whatever. It's all pointing to the same thing. You know, our socioeconomic status doesn't matter, yet we put so much focus on it. Our bucket list doesn't matter unless it is Acts 20:24 to finish the race and make the gospel known. That should be the bucket list for everybody who loves Jesus. And if that happens, yeah, we, we, we toured whatever. I mean, it's okay to want to do things. But in doing those things, making the gospel known is priority. You know, our career path, you think about how much energy we put into our careers and focus on, on careers. And it honestly, it doesn't matter what career you have. It matters that you use the career that you have to promote the glory of Jesus. I've had a lot of like youth coming through and they're like, I just really, 
I need you to pray for me. I don't know what career path I should, I should choose and where I should go to school. It's like, well, let's just keep it simple. Go where you want and take Jesus with you, right? Choose the job you want and take Jesus with you. Go to the school you want, take Jesus with you. It doesn't matter, but we put so much focus on that, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is just kind of focused or fading to the background. But all the effort that we put into to everything in life, and at the end of it, we're exhausted and beaten down, and it's like, what did we do today to make Jesus known? And really, for the heart of Jesus, the grace of this message, it's like, people, get ready. I'm coming back. Get ready. I want you to be ready. Here's how you be ready. In John chapter 10, he says that I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And later in that chapter, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So as we close, guys, with this last song in worship, and you guys come up and and you take communion, or maybe you don't take communion, and you just spend some time in reflection and praise. Guys, I want you, I just ask you to take time to listen. Take time to listen and hear his voice calling you by name. Do you believe that he wants to speak to you? Do you believe he wants to meet with you right now, right here, where you are sitting? Do you believe he wants you to hear him? If you don't, you don't know him because he wants you to hear him. He wants to speak to you. He wants to fill your life with more of him. He wants you to know how much you're loved. He wants you to know that you are a treasure. He wants you to come into his pasture and graze in his grass and be filled up with his water of life. He wants you to have the abundant way of life. So listen to the good shepherd, guys. Let him guide you into that life of love, that life of legacy, that life that's empowered and looking ahead to the hope of Jesus' return. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.